Welcome to week number two of our series that we kicked off last week called Four Cups, and last week was kind of an introductory message, and we want to go a little bit further today and start looking at uh, the first cup uh, of these four cups, and, and the reason why this is so important, uh, I, I think really for all of us, uh, it really struck me about a year ago, as I mentioned last week, uh, we heard Pastor Chris Hodges, uh, who wrote this book called Four Cups, um, speak about it the day it was released. We were, Susie and I, my wife Susie and I were at a conference and uh, he actually gave a copy to every single person there. I think there was 10, 12,000 pastors there and, and then spoke on it and I was like, my goodness, it's just, uh, I, I've heard a lot through the scripture and all that but I never knew this before and it just really put its hooks in me. And uh, we're a part, that was an art conference, Association of Related Churches and Chris Hodges is one of the founding members of that. Um, and, and as a result of that, and, and we're in ARC as well, uh, as a church, uh, that he made all these materials available for free uh, to do this series in ARC churches. And so we're really excited about it. Uh, because you know what? Uh, as we walk through this journey of life, uh, we all have like a thirst for something. It's, it seems like the longer you live, you just realize that a thirst that there's got to be something more. And the fact about the matter is there is something more. There are four main promises that God made to his people thousands and thousands, almost 3,500 years ago is the first time that we see these promises. And, and we thirst for peace, we thirst for fulfillment, uh, we thirst for purpose. And these four core promises that we're looking at over the next few weeks in this series are all about God's promising, that's what I want to do in your life. And, and it's something that he did thousands of years ago in people's lives, and he wants to continue to do it in your life and in my life today. So let's, let's go back, just do a little quick review. Let's go back in Exodus chapter 6, where we were last week, and it really gives the four core promises. We're going to look at the, the cup of sanctification today, but it gives the four core promises of uh, that God gives us in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Uh, and, and here it is. In the Passover, this is the Passover celebration uh, that God institutes. And really, Jewish people still celebrate the Passover. And the Passover consists of, among other things, they're really four toasts. Four, four cups, four toasts that they toast. They, they go over these promises that God made uh, and they toast a, a cup of wine with each one of these. And this is what it says, Exodus 6, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. That's the first promise. From under the yoke of the Egyptians, they were slaves in Egypt to the Egyptians. Then it says, I will free you from being slaves to them. That's the second promise. I'll bring you out. I will free you, and then I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. That's the third promise, or the third cup, the third toast right there. And then it goes on and says, I will take you as my own people. That's promise number four right there. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And so there's four, these four promises. Obviously, the Bible's full of all kinds of other promises, but these are the four big ones. And, and so that's why it's important for us to not only understand them, but we've been working pretty hard behind the scenes here at Valley Christian Church for, for almost a year now, and we're really reorient, reorienting all the ministries of the church, everything that we do around these four promises, around these four cups. 
because if we can do these four things effectively, we will hit everything that God ever wants to do in any church anywhere. And and so this is so important. And so let's look at them kind of summarized here, uh, the four different cups. First is the cup of sanctification. And what does that mean? It's salvation. That God says, I want to save you and, and, and forgive you of your sins. The cup of deliverance, I don't get hung up on that word, deliverance there. You know, sometimes people get really spooked about that. They think about some girl with her head spinning around 360 degrees or, you know, some, some hillbilly. Something like that. Don't get hung up on deliverance. What is deliverance? It means freedom. It means just bringing freedom into our lives in any area of bondage. Anything at all. And then the cup of redemption. What does that mean? That means restoration. That, that means to, that God wants to show us the original intent of our lives, why we're alive on planet Earth, by virtue of the fact that you're alive today, that, that your heart's beating, that your, your blood is pumping. God has got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose, and he wants to show us that plan and redeem us back to that original purpose, unique purpose for each and every one of us. I've heard it said this way before, the two greatest days of your life, the two greatest days of your life are the day that you're born and then the day that you discover why. Two greatest days of your life, the day that you're born and the day that you discover why. You know, it kind of reminds me actually, just a a little side note, I'd like to encourage the whole church family, just ask, uh, ask you and beg you and plead with you uh, to, to be praying for me. This is a really, really big week that we're coming into for the Williamsons and, uh, and, and really um, the whole church staff, almost all the staff is gonna be traveling to Atlanta uh, on Sunday uh, for a conference there uh, for Axe Global Network. And on Tuesday night, uh, I'm very humbled. They're actually, uh, Tuesday night, are gonna be putting me in as the president of, of that network. And... Uh, I'm I'm really humbled by that. It's really the position is a bishop over bishops, and it represents somewhere between five and seven hundred churches. And uh, I've been given that opportunity in the past, and I've turned it down uh, three times uh, because it would have meant resigning the church here and to move to Georgia in order to do that. But uh, once again, the offer was given to me, and they said, we think you can do it right there in New York and continue to pastor the church. And uh, Susie and I felt like we'll do it then. Uh, so uh, that's Tuesday night. It's a big, big night. All I ever wanted to be was a youth pastor until I was really old, like 50 or something like that. <laughs> and uh, still got three more years. Maybe I'll still get to be a youth pastor. Who knows? But uh, uh, it's a real humbling opportunity and just amazing how literally uh, from Hopewell Junction, downtown sunny Hopewell Junction, uh, we're going to be able to impact the globe. Just absolutely staggering to think of. And, and so that's going to be Tuesday night. And uh, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that, and, and I am humbled, and I'm very overwhelmed as well. So I really appreciate your prayers. You know, there's that saying, every new level is a new devil, and I'm not looking forward to meeting this one. So uh, anyway, but but but... I'm beginning to discover, I believe, another step of why I'm alive. And, and, and God wants each and every one of us to discover that. 
And, and that's, that's one of the biggest, the greatest days of our lives when we're born and when we discover the reason why. That's the third cup. We're going to be talking about that in just a few weeks. And I, I am so pumped about this in particular, about some tools that we have available to us at Valley Christian Church that are going to help every single person in our church family discover why they were born. That's a big carrot I'm dangling in front of you, just teasing <laughs> you right there. Then the cup of praise, that's fulfillment. That's fulfillment. That, that there's nothing more fulfilling in life than when we're a part of a team that's making a difference. That you know who's next to you on the left, you know who's next to you on the right, and you know we're all in this together. Now let's go get it. And, and, and so these are the four cups here. These are the four promises. These are the four things that God wants to do in every single human being's life. And, and so tonight specifically, we want to begin to look at the, this first cup, and that's the cup of sanctification or salvation. And, and what, what it says literally is uh, in, in that first promise that it says God is going to take us out from under the yoke. He, he says, I'm going to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. What does that mean, under the yoke? I know we don't use that yoke word very often anymore. What does that mean? The yoke means the thing that's keeping you down. It's the thing that, that is captivating you. It's, it's the controlling issue in your life. And, and God says, I want to take you out. I want to bring you out from underneath that yoke. What is it for us? It's the power of sin in our lives. That's what this first cup is all about, that God wants to break that power of sin in your life and in my life. This is what it says in Exodus 6, 6 and 7. I'll bring you out from under the yoke, the yoke of bondage, that yoke of slavery. That's what it was for the, Egypt, for the uh, Israelites when they were in Egypt. They were slaves. And God said, I want to bring you out from underneath that yoke. I was doing a little bit of study about it and, and discovered a few things that, that are kind of parallels to what the Jewish people were experiencing in bondage in Egypt and really, I think, parallels or analogy, if you will, uh, allegorically, what you and I experience as well on an ongoing basis. The first thing is this. When they were slaves, they were forced as slaves to make bricks. They were forced as slaves to make bricks. What does it mean when you and I are enslaved to something? We feel like we're enslaved. What does that really mean? It means that there is a dominating influence in our life. That something or someone is dominating and influencing everything that we do. And, and pushing us where we don't want to go. Pulling us when we don't want to go. Just like they were enslaved. They were forced as slaves to make bricks. They didn't want to do it, but it was what they were made to do. And God says, I want to bring you out from underneath that yoke so you don't feel like that you can't help yourself any longer. Bring you out from under that yoke. What does it mean to feel enslaved? I hear people sometimes say it this way, I just feel like I'm stuck. I just feel like I'm trapped. I just feel like I can't help myself. In John chapter 8, verses 34 and 35 in the message, Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped 
Anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is, in fact, a slave. We are slaves to sin. We're born slaves to sin. A slave is transient who can't come and go as they will. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I find myself to. I'm a slave to sin. And Jesus said, this is exactly what happens. When we choose a life of sin, we're trapped. And it's a dead end kind of life. And so the first thing is, they were forced to do something that they didn't want to do, and that is to make bricks. The, the second thing that happened while they were in Egypt was the murder of babies. The murder of babies. We know the story about Moses. Many of us do, right? That there was this prophecy that a deliverer was gonna come to the Hebrew people. And, and so Pharaoh said, kill all the babies. Kill all the babies. This isn't a, a, a political statement that I, I'm making here tonight. But what, is, what does babies represent? You know, what, what happens when a mom and dad hold that baby the first time? All of a sudden, you start thinking about the future. This child's gonna do this. This child's gonna do that. The plans, the hope, the future. The enemy wants to murder our hope. Murder our dreams. Just as sure as in Egypt, the Egyptians killed the Hebrew babies. It's the same thing. When we're slaves, and God says, I want to bring you hope. I want to put my dreams in your heart that are so much greater than anything you've ever thought before. What happens when our, our dreams, are, our babies are murdered? You feel empty. You feel empty inside. You, you just can't even see past tomorrow. Forget about next week. Forget about next month, next year. I, I just, I'm losing hope. Jesus wants to bring us out from underneath that yoke. Here, here's the third thing that, uh, that was required or happened to the Jewish people when they were enslaved. They requiring them to collect their own straw. Requiring them to collect their own straw. Well, what's that all about, Greg? You know, they're making bricks and now they're requiring them to make their own straw. When, they, when, it, when Pharaoh got upset with them, he said, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. We used to gather the straw. Now you have to gather your own straw and make the bricks as well. What, what happens? What is this, uh, an analogy of just being exhausted? Just feeling exhausted. There's so many of us just live life exhausted. Everybody's working for the weekend. And what happens on the weekend? We just get even more tired than we do all week long. We're just exhausted. And then Monday comes around. And man, we just have the worst attitude in the world. Why? You know what I've found in my life? I make bad decisions when I'm tired. I make really bad decisions when I'm tired. It's one of those phrases that I picked up when I was coaching, say it all the time in my family. Don't make a bad play worse. When you're tired, you make a bad play worse. All the time. I believe burnout doesn't happen because we're doing too much. People don't burn out because they're doing too much. People burn out because they're doing too much of things that don't matter whatever. Don't matter whatsoever. Have n make no difference over the long haul of their life. 
They're just spinning their wheels, spinning their wheels, exhausted, just gathering straw to make bricks and then gather more straw to make bricks. This is not the kind, this is not the quality of life that Jesus wants to give you and me. And so these three things, forced as slaves to make bricks, murder of the babies, requiring them to collect their own straws, feeling enslaved, feeling empty, feeling exhausted. God has so much more for you and me in just this first cup, the cup of sanctification and salvation. So let's talk about the cup of sanctification. We've looked at this verse last week, but let's look at it again. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, the thief comes. See, we have an enemy. He's, he's not equal to God. They're not still fighting it out. Jesus won the battle on the cross. Victory is ours. We're just enforcing the victory that he won for us through his perfect life and his death on the cross and the resurrection. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's his plan for your life. Steal, kill, and destroy. Where do I sign up? That's, that's, that's what his agenda is for your life and my life. Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life, here it is now, and have it to the full. Have it to the full. Not just surviving. Not just trying to squeeze out another day. But to have it to the full. One translation of this verse says abundantly. To have life abundantly has everything to do with the cup of, of sanctification the cup of salvation first peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 in the message I, I love how it puts it it says what a god we have and how fortunate we are to have him this father of our master jesus because jesus was raised from the dead we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. Well, if I was in church, I'd probably shout right there. The future starts now. That's what God, it's not just in the sweet by and by, but God has promises for you and me. This cup of salvation and sanctification starts now. God wants to give us the opportunity to let him make good on this promise in your life and my life. And so let's look at it again. Exodus chapter six, verse six. I will bring you out. What does that mean? I'll bring you out. M maybe we're here and, and uh, we're exhausted. We're unfulfilled. Feel empty. Dreams have died. And we're asking ourselves the question, how did we get here? How, how did this happen to me? You know, when, when, when I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when I was thinking about this time in my life, I never thought it'd end up like this. This wasn't what I saw happening. I, I didn't think my life would be like this. How did we get here? Well, there's all kinds of different reasons. It's really important, though, I think, for us to stop and recognize, where are we today? Some of us are disappointed, heartbroken, 
frustrated, unfulfilled, because someone or something let us down, someone we're counting on, someone we're looking up to. Maybe, maybe you're here and you even tried the church thing. You're like, that didn't work. I just, I don't know what else to do. Been there, done that, and I don't know. It's just leaving you unfulfilled. Maybe it's not someone or something let you down. Maybe you've just drifted. You ever been at the beach and you're out there in the water just playing and you you run straight into the water from where you dropped your stuff, your towel and all, and you're out there playing and all that? And then maybe your friend or someone's on the beach with all your stuff. Next thing you know, you look up and they're not there anymore. And you realize they're way down the beach. I didn't know sand moved. Sand doesn't move. You moved. That's, that's drifting. Nobody intends, nobody ever wakes up one morning like, you know what, I'm just going to drift for the next 10 years away from God. It's just other stuff seem more important. Other things begin to grab our attention. And then we wake up one day. Where's God? I feel so distant from him. Where did he go? He's still on the beach. We've drifted away. Maybe we made a bad decision. And as I said before, we made one bad decision and then we made a bad decision even worse by making another bad decision. And it's been one string of bad decisions after another and we're empty. And it just feels hollow. I want you to understand that's not what God has in mind for your life. He has so much more in this cup of salvation, this cup of sanctification. So more than how did we get here, I think we need to recognize where we are. The bigger question is how do we get out? How do we get out? It's important for us to understand it's a process. It's a process. And this first cup of the four represent the first step in the process that God wants to take you through and take me through in our lives. Most people don't have the right idea when it comes to what salvation really is all about. Salvation is not about joining a church. Salvation is not about attending a church regularly. Salvation is not about a religion. Salvation is about a relationship that God wants to have with you and with me, and he sent his son to show us how much he loved us, to pay the price for my personal sins and your personal sins, that we would be not only forgiven, but then God's blessings would be released in our life, and we would find our true purpose for why we were created. So there's, there's really three things in terms of salvation that are important for us to remember. This process, this first cup, the cup of sanctification. First of all, we have to make a move. The Bible word for this is repent. I know we don't like to talk about that. You know what that word literally means, repent? Real simple. It means turn around and go in the opposite direction. That's what repentance is. Turn around, go in the opposite direction. That's what the Bible word repent literally means. About face. I'm going down this road of purposelessness, wandering. I have no idea. I feel empty. You know, I'm frustrated. I'm exhausted. What's the first thing we have to do? We have to make a move turn around and repent and head back to God. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, it says, Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Turn around. Be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And it goes on and says, And I will be a father to you. This is what God wants to do to every one of us. I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. When we do what? When we take a step, when we come out, when we repent, when we turn around and we come back to God. That's the first thing. We need to make the move and repent. Here's the second thing. Let it go. Surrender. Let it go. Yeah, and I know you're just like me. You can't even see those three words in a row without hearing music. Isn't that right? I'm just, like, you just line up those three words in a row like that, and all of a sudden, I know. We just got to surrender. You know what else this reminds me of? This reminds me of Rocky too. One of my favorite scenes. I love Rocky. When Duke, Apollo Creed's trainer, Apollo Creed wants a rematch with Rocky Balboa. And he says, no, no, this is all wrong for me. This is all wrong for us, Apollo. And then Apollo Creed says, what are you afraid of? And old Duke, he leans over his desk. Apollo Creed's sitting there in his fancy suit and all. He goes, baby, he's all wrong for us. He's all wrong for us. I saw you beat that man like you never beat anyone before. And he kept on coming. (laughs) He kept on coming. And then you remember what he says? Let it go. (laughs) Let it go. Don't hurt No, I'm not going to do it. But he didn't do that. That's not Rocky II. But you know, we, we just got to let go of some stuff we're hanging on to. I, I, I know your daddy did you wrong. I, I know the girlfriend broke your heart. I, I know you got passed over for the promotion. But you know what? As long as we keep hanging on to that stuff, We can't hang on to that stuff and hang on to Jesus at the same time. It's all wrong for us. We're going to get beat like we got beat before if we keep hanging on. So we need to surrender. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. I love this. This is what Jesus says here. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You know, many years ago, there was a bumper sticker people put on their car. God is my co-pilot. I hope not. You're going to crash. <laughs> You're not doing too good steering your own life. Jesus says, let me lead. Put me in the driver's seat. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. I, I love the message translation because it just really brings it down, doesn't it? Don't run from suffering embrace it hard things it's hard to let go don't run from it though embrace it follow me and i'll show you how and then watch this self-help is no help at all self-sacrifice is the way my way to saving yourself 
I love that. What a, what a great picture there. Word picture in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. Let it go, surrender. Then here's the third thing when it comes to salvation. First of all, we make the move, we repent. Second of all, we let it go and surrender. Third thing, commit your life to a relationship. That's what Jesus died for. He, he, he didn't die for you to have a relationship with a set of rules and regulations. That's religion. He, he, he died for you to have a relationship and for me to have a relationship with him. And so I ask you, how's your relationship with him? When's the last time you talked? When's the last time you just set aside some time to pray? How's your relationship with him? What this really means, commit your life to a relationship, it means change allegiance from ourselves to Jesus first. It means, it's kind of interesting, we're born into sin, slaves to sin. That slavery is almost involuntary, it really is. But what this is talking about, committing your life to a relationship, is choosing to be a slave to Jesus. I want to be chained to him. You know why? Because I want to follow him wherever he goes. I want to be by his side. I want to grow more like him. I want to become like him. This is voluntary, not involuntary. This is voluntary. As I said before, Jesus didn't come to offer you and I religion. He came to offer us a relationship with him. That's what this first cup is all about. The cup of salvation, the cup of sanctification. Romans chapter 6, verse 19. It says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and, and to ever-increasing wickedness, watch this, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. That's what God wants us to do, a change of allegiance. Instead of a slave to all these things that are just leaving me empty and unfulfilled, to offer ourselves as slaves to Jesus, to righteousness, leading to holiness. And that's when forgiveness we experience, when we trust not in my ability to be good, but in Jesus' perfect life his substitutionary death on the cross for you in your place and in my place and his resurrection from the dead. And so in just a minute, I want to pray. Before I do that, hopefully you received an information guide when you came in and I just want to point you to something before I pray. And that's this communication card. Hopefully you received one of these when you came in. One of the things that it says here on the back side, it says, today I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you've never done that, as we just spelled out what salvation really truly means, and you're like, today, I, I want to drink from that first cup. I, I want to know my sins are forgiven, not because of anything I've done, but because of all the stuff I have done. I want to know I'm forgiven and that Jesus is the one because of his perfect life. That's why I'm forgiven. I'm trusting in Jesus, not in myself. I, I'm just going to encourage you to check that little box off, write your name on the front, 
in just a minute when we have an offering, just place this in there because we have some great material that we want to put in your hands that's going to help you on this spiritual journey that you've begun today. Or, or maybe you're here and the second box is more appropriate. I want to know how to become a Christian. I still have some questions and all that. Just check that off. Write your name on the front. Place that in the offering. And we want to get in your hands again, send out some material to you that's going to help you to better understand what this is all about. But this is the first cup. This is the first step. We, we don't get to the second, the third, and the fourth without drinking of the first cup. And so this is the first promise that God wants to make good on in your life and in my life. And I look forward to, over the next few weeks, taking these next steps together. But you know what? More than you and I, and even as a church family, we're going to be taking these steps together. You know, someone else is going to be with us, and that's Jesus. Because we've drunk of this first cup, because he's our Savior. That he did for us what we could never do for ourselves, and he paid the price in full for our sins. And so now we have forgiveness. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, for, for some of us, Lord, we, we, we already know what it is to be forgiven. We've experienced that fresh slate. We've experienced your love poured out in our hearts as we've received Christ as our Savior. Lord, for some of us, we've never taken of the first cup before that cup of salvation, that cup of sanctification. And Father, as we begin this journey over the next few weeks looking at these four cups, Lord, we just ask right now that for anyone who'd be here that has not taken that cup, the cup of salvation, that today would be the day of salvation, that we would trust Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross and not our own good works. And instead of being slaves to sin, instead we would repent, we would turn around, we would let go and surrender of all those things that we're hanging on to that are not fulfilling us at all. And Lord, we would commit our life in a relationship with Jesus Christ, who you sent to us because you loved us so much. And trust in him as we begin this journey through these cups together trust in you and by the power of your Holy Spirit to change our lives. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.